You're joining us for another episode of College Talks and More, brought to you by MyBookCart.com. This series brings together students, parents, and professionals sharing their voices on a variety of college and life topics. It's all about students, parents, and all of our listeners finding the information, encouragement, and thrive they need for a successful college and life experience. Welcome to College Talks with your hosts, Hannah and Carrie. Our topic for today is tuition tips. For this episode, we have our newest guest, Robert. Hi, Robert. Welcome to our show. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your college background? Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, let's see. I've been out of college now for 10 years, but I started the College Investor when I was finishing college, and I really started it as a way to share my thoughts on investing and uh, you know, my ideas on making money and building wealth. After doing it for a year or so, people had told me, you know, that's great. Your tips and your tricks are awesome, but I have all this student loans or, you know, I'm struggling with how to pay for college. And so we've really kind of transformed our message over the last couple of years to how to help people escape student loan debt so they could start building wealth. And this time of year, we also talk to a ton of kids and families about how to pay for college, how to be smart about paying for college. And even more so right now with everything going on, is college even worth it, right? Because it's online a lot of places. So that's how I got started. And that's kind of one of the main things I talk about. Oh, that's great to hear. So if one of our listeners wanted to go to your website, what URL would they type in? Yeah, you can find me at thecollegeinvestor.com. What would you recommend for students or parents looking to have enough money for college? Well, you know, it definitely starts early, right? I recommend that these families have conversations as early as possible. And honestly, they should be having money conversations at every age. But, you know, if you're talking about college, it should definitely be at the end of middle school at the latest and then all through high school. And there's so many ways to save for college. You can work. The parents can work. The kids can work. You can use gifting. Maybe grandma gives $100. So there's lots of tools and tactics to save for college. As the student gets older, you have scholarships as well, which I think are one of the most underrated ways to pay for college. But it takes work. You got to spend the the time to write essays and track down scholarships. But, you know, students that I see applying to 20 to 50 scholarships also end up paying for, you know, 25 to 50% of their college costs. It goes a long way to help out. Wow, that's very interesting. Do you have any advice for people looking to save money, such as limited eating out, certain bank rates, etc. I mean, yeah, we have tons of advice when it comes to that. But I always like to start a little bit before that. And I like to talk about getting organized. Because I would tell you that most people that are worried about money also aren't even organized with their finances to tell you whether we should cut or we need to earn more or where to cut or what's impacting their budget. So I do like to step back a little and say, Get organized with your money. You should know exactly what's coming in, exactly what's going out, how many loans you might have, what credit card balances you have if you have them. And then once you have a clear picture on exactly what's going on with your money, then we can have a conversation about, yeah, you might want to lose that subscription here. Or, you know, it could be a conversation about maybe earning more money. Like, look, we've cut everything we can um, and you're still coming up short. 
Like maybe you do need to go out and side hustle and earn a little bit of extra money to supplement your budget or ask for a raise or, or some other way to earn more. So let's say someone has a little bit of extra cash that they can uh, put into a savings plan. Uh, can you give an overview of the college savings plans that are available? Certainly. I mean, the biggest one and, and the most popular one is the 529 college savings plan. And and there's two real varieties. There's a traditional 529 and there's the prepaid college savings programs, which those are on the way out. There's only a few of those left in the country. But a 529 plan is a great way to save for college because uh, what you do is you put money in, and when it's in the 529 plan, it grows tax-free. And then if you pull the money out to pay for higher education expenses, the money comes out of the account tax-free as well. So it's kind of like an IRA or a 401k for saving for college. But the cool thing is, is in about half the states, you can get a tax deduction for uh, contributing to a 529 plan. And over the last few years, they've opened up the uses that you can take money out tax-free. So you can take it out now in a lot of places for K through 12 private education. You can even take it out now up to $10,000 to pay off existing student loans. And so 529 is the best way to save for college in my opinion, but there are other ways. You could use a Roth IRA, you can just save in a regular taxable account. And, you know, there's some other random approaches like life insurance and stuff, but those aren't recommended, usually high cost and not as great of a return. So what happens if I have a college savings plan and I don't go to college, I use it for anything educational? How do I get my money then? Well, you can always get your money. The question is at what cost? And so I think it's important to note, like your money's not trapped there. It's just at what cost? So if you use your money for non-qualifying expenses, your earnings only, not your contributions, but your earnings are subject to taxes and potentially a 10% penalty. And there's a lot of ways around this because there's a lot of use cases for 529 plan money. You could use it for another child. You could use it and keep it in the account for grandchildren. You could use it for yourself to go back to school. You know, so the, the penalty is really the last worst case scenario. And we don't really see it happening too much unless it's an accident or a mistake. When a parent or student is searching for a student loan, how do you find the best student loan and the best rates? First off, student loans should be the last thing you consider in the order of operations to pay for college. So the big problem that we see today with this argument about are student loans worth it is that most people borrow too much and then it becomes not worth it. So you got to make sure that you're really thinking hard before you borrow. With that being said, the best student loans are always federal student loans first and then private student loans only if the return on your investment in your education supports the private student loan. To apply for it, it's very easy. You actually just fill out the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, and your college or university will send you an email and tell you what student loans, federal student loans you qualify for. If that's not enough, then you can move into private student loans, where it's very much like shopping for a car loan or shopping for a mortgage, where you need to shop around compare five different offers, get quotes, see what the lowest rate is, look at companies that offer flexible repayment plans. But honestly, I hate seeing people borrow private student loans. It's the biggest way that people get themselves in financial trouble after graduation. So to follow up on that, let's say somebody has some cash set aside, maybe for like an emergency, or they have some savings, maybe, maybe get an apartment, 
uh, would you recommend getting a student loan or draining that nest egg? Well, it's hard for a parent. I would never recommend that parents jeopardize their own finances to pay for a child's education. I always like to say you can get a loan for college, but you can't get a loan for retirement. And sadly, I see the reverse end of this too much. I see these parents in their 50s and 60s, and they spent $150,000, $200,000 on their kids' education for maybe multiple kids, not just one. But then they have nothing left for them themselves. And then they have to either work longer or they're calling their kids up at like, you know, 70, 75. And they're like, hey, we're out of money. We need you to support us. And meanwhile, your children are in the prime of their lives, maybe looking to start a family or get married. And now they're having to support their parents. So I really hate seeing parents blow their nest eggs on kids' educations because there's so many ways to pay for school. There's like really no extra ways to pay for retirement except for your own savings. With that being said, if you're a kid that has money, yeah, I would recommend that you use your savings. I recommend that children and, and high schoolers and college students work and deploy that money that they earn and save to offset as much of the cost of education as they can. Wow, that was great information. How would a student find grants and scholarships? Well, it all starts with filling out the FAFSA, right? The FAFSA is like your golden ticket to grants and scholarships. It's actually the only real way to get grants. So grants are federal and state aid that you can get for college. So if you don't fill out the FAFSA, you will never get that. Scholarships, there's really two paths to getting a scholarship. There's the scholarships you qualify for that you get by filling out the FAFSA and your college or university will award you a scholarship based on your need. But then there are the merit-based scholarships. These are the ones you apply for. And I love these because there are hundreds of thousands of scholarships out there. The hard part is, is there's no real easy way to find them. There's scholarship search engines and things like that, but those only have a tiny, tiny fraction of them. For students that want to put in the work and effort to track down scholarships by looking at maybe your parents' company or community organizations, churches, local governments, maybe local nonprofits, things that you're a part of in your community, you'd be surprised how many of these offer scholarships. And because they're harder to find, well, most of these scholarships don't get a lot of applications. They might get a few dozen. So by you just putting in the work, finding them and applying, you have a very good chance about getting um, some money to pay for college. And every little bit helps. So even if it's a $500 or $1,000 scholarship, that can help you quite a bit when you start putting a few of those together. There's been a lot of talk about the student loan problem here in the United States. And I know that in the government, they were also talking about getting some bills passed that apply to student loan forgiveness. Since those bills haven't passed yet, what are some of the current top ways to get student loan forgiveness and what loans do they apply to? Well, you have to realize that even if we don't pass any new laws, uh, about 50% of all student loan borrowers qualify for something. It might not be total loan forgiveness, but they usually qualify for something. The most popular program today is public service loan forgiveness or PSLF. This is one of the most popular ones because if you work in a public service job for 10 years or 120 payments, it doesn't actually have to be a solid 10 years. You could break it up, but you got to get to that 120 payment mark. If you do that by working in qualified public service, which is also very, um, 
open-ended. You could be a state, federal, local government. You could be a public school teacher. You could be in the police, fire department, health services, any kind of nonprofit. And it doesn't matter what job you do there. We say teachers a lot, but you could literally be a handyman that works for the school district. It doesn't matter what your actual job is. It just matters who employs you. And so you have federal loans, you have a qualifying repayment plan, and you work in public service for 10 years, and you get your loans forgiven tax-free. So it's an amazing program. But there's lots and lots of other programs out there as well. We have a list on our website of over 80 different programs that you can apply to to get student loan forgiveness. A lot of them are based on your employment or where you live. A lot of them require you to do some type of service or work somewhere and do something. But, you know, if that's what you're already going to do, you might as well get some loan forgiveness for it, right? So is having a podcast where we give free advice considered community service? (laughs) I wish, right? That would be amazing, but sadly no. Why should a recent graduate consider refinancing their loans? Well, I would tell you most of them shouldn't. Um, I'm a big believer that 95% of federal loan borrowers should never refinance their student loans. Uh, When you refinance your loan, you're replacing your loan that you have with a private loan. So if you have federal loans today, you get so many amazing benefits, right? Right now, you have an interest rate and a payment freeze, but you also get you know income-driven repayment plans, you get loan forgiveness options, and more. And like you mentioned earlier, Congress is talking about more loan forgiveness programs. And if you refinance, you will make yourself ineligible for those future programs. So it's really important. If you have federal loans, most people shouldn't refinance. If you have private loans, well, you're already out of luck with all of these programs. So refinance away. Uh, look for the lowest interest rate, the best terms you can find, and you know, refinance if it's a better deal. The only exception there is that 5%, right? That 5% of federal loan borrowers that might make sense for. And these are typically high earners that are looking to pay off all of their loans within three to five years. The reason I say that is, The only way you're going to beat your federal loan rate right now is if you're refinancing for a very short term. So if you're getting a three-year or five-year student loan, that's the sweet spot to lower your loans from a federal rate. And that's also a short enough period of time where you're probably not going to see any real massive changes to student loan law as well. Other than parents blowing their retirement savings to pay for their children's education, what are some other common mistakes that parents and students make when starting to invest for college? Yeah, well, when they're investing for college, there's not really any mistakes you can make. Put as much money away as you can, and you'll always um, you know, reap that benefit later. I think the other big mistake that parents make when it comes to college is we talked about you can't get a loan for retirement, but you can get a loan for college. Well, in some cases, parents are the ones taking out the student loan to pay for the kid's education. And so I'm a real hater on parent plus loans or parent student loans to pay for college. I think the burden should be on the child's shoulder because I also think a lot of parents don't realize that the loan is 100% the parent's responsibility. So even though the loan was taken out for the child's education, it's only the parent's deal. 
And I see so many issues arise in the future where, you know, there was a, an agreement that, you know, mom and dad would borrow, but then, you know, the child would pay him back and or make the monthly payments, but then the, the child stops making the monthly payments and then the, the parent's credit gets harmed. And it just causes so much family drama and it's just never a good thing. So parents don't borrow either to pay for your kid's education. Um, it's one of the worst financial moves you can do. You mentioned credit. When you do the loan forgiveness program, does that affect your credit negatively? You know, it doesn't affect you negatively at all. Um, if you get loan forgiveness, it's usually a great thing. It, it will take that loan right off your credit score. Um, and it's just boom, you don't have $50,000 in debt anymore holding you down. You know, it's so funny because a lot of people get all concerned in the short term. Whenever you change something massively on your credit report, like the first week, your credit score might go all wonky. But you know, you give it some time to settle down. And over the long run, it, it's a huge win for your credit. Now, let's get personal. You mentioned earlier why you started your blog and how to subscribe. But why should we subscribe to your blog? Yeah, you know, over the last 10 years, we've built it into one of the best resources on student loans. So if you have student loan debt, um, or you're thinking about how to pay for college, you're not going to find a better resource than the college investor in terms of finding programs, uh, finding help, and getting the tools you need to get out of debt. And we also have some of the best reviews for products, services, and tools in the personal finance space. So, you know, if you're looking for that savings account or that investing account, because now you're moving into the wealth building mode, we have all that for you as well. Is your blog your full-time job? It is. And if so, how do you make money? Yeah, it is our full-time job. I've been doing it. I've been doing it for 10 years, but it was a side hustle for me for the first seven. So after college, I started working full-time, but I kept at it. I kept blogging and it continued to grow over time. And about, you know, two and a half, three years ago now, uh, I left my day job and now I've been doing this full-time. And so we make money by advertising partnerships. So, you know, we work with almost every major uh, financial services provider in the United States in some form or fashion, whether that is um, affiliate marketing or sponsored content or advertising, all that kind of thing. It all loops into how our blog makes money. I noticed on your website that you list some suggestions to buy books at. For students looking to sell back their textbooks, what buyback companies would you recommend? <laughs> so I'm very agnostic to this because I'm a big believer in find the best price. It's always about the best price. When you're buying a textbook, it's about the best price. When you're reselling the textbook, it's about maximizing and getting the most that you can get. So, you know, always look around or use a comparison tool to figure out where you're going to maximize your money. And of course, mybookcart.com does have some of the best prices around for selling back your book. Boom! Mic drop! Did you work while you were attending college? I did. I worked full-time through college. Um, I was working 32 to 40 hours a week. And honestly, I highly recommend it that most college students should be working. It doesn't have to be full-time, but uh, I think you get more value from college uh, if you're working full-time as well, because employers want to see skills that you get beyond the classroom. They want to see communication skills, business problem-solving skills, and you don't get that from attending a lecture. You get that from getting real-world experience 
And so I'm a, I'm a huge believer in working while going to college. I have to ask, what kind of, in your words, side hustles can students use to make extra money? And what side hustles have you done? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the side hustle because I'm a huge fan of earning extra money. And here's why. We talked a little earlier in the show about budgeting and where to cut and where to save. But there's only so much you could ever cut from your expenses, right? We still have to live and eat and get to where to work and school. But earning money is pretty much a limitless. There's no cap on how much you can earn. And when you start thinking about that, like there's so much you can do. Like, what are you doing with your time, especially when you're in college and young? Most college students don't have a lot of responsibilities of family and taking kids to school and all this stuff. They have a lot of time in their day. And so there are just limitless ways to earn extra money today. Uh, you can do things online. You can do things on an app, on your mobile phone. You can drive, deliver. You can sell stuff. The, the ways are just, they just go on and on and on. Um, we have like hundreds of ideas on our site for how you can earn extra money. Some of the things that I have done is I have been selling stuff on eBay since 2001. And so that's actually when I was a, junior in high school. And I love reselling stuff, buying stuff and flipping it to resell it. I sold stuff of my own, like anything that's like, you know, old stuff that I've had around the house, we sell it on eBay. Then I, when I was in college, I used to go to garage sales and estate sales and I would buy stuff just for the purpose of reselling it on eBay. And even today, like sometimes I just see an amazing deal and I have to buy it because I know I can resell it. And I still sell a few things on eBay every single year. It's just so hard. Once you have that mindset of earning more, it's so hard to just pass that stuff up. Um, so I've done that. I started the blog, of course. That was a side hustle for me. I've dabbled in all kinds of things to earn extra money. I do things like Rakuten, you know, where you get rewards for, you know, your normal shopping. There's just so many simple tactics that you can do that just boost your income or, or give you rebates back on your normal stuff. I challenge anyone that they could put $100 more a month into their pocket with just some time and effort de dedicated to earning more money. Just to put it out there, students can also join our ambassador program where they earn a referral fee for every book that is sold back by somebody that they referred. And that's great. Yeah, there's all these little things and they add up. And I think it's, it's hard because, you know, Sometimes when you're doing things in the moment, you're like five, ten dollars here. You know what? What's that? What difference does that make? But when you start aggregating it up, all these small gains of five to ten dollars here every single week, every single month, every single year starts adding up to a significant amount of money over time. And I think that's what's important to really think about is. It's an you know aggregation of marginal gains as you go, and and that's how you build wealth. That's how you get out of debt. It all takes time and it all starts small, but it, it snowballs. Lastly, do you have any other advice for students and parents worried about affording college? Absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing is, is always think about return on investment. You're going to college because you're investing in your future self and your future earnings. You know, the days of I'm going to college for education alone are kind of, you know, pushed to the wayside because you can get educated in so many different ways. You're not going to college just to, to learn. You're going to college to boost your income, to social signal to future employers that you could do it. Like that's the reason you're going. So with that in mind, I like people to think and work backwards. Like, what do you want to do? What jobs, what careers, and what salary do those jobs and careers pay? And based on that number, you know, 
think about how much you're going to spend on college and, you know, how much you're going to borrow. Because, you know, if you want to be a teacher and you know you're going to only make $40,000, $45,000 a year when you graduate, it doesn't make any sense to spend $150,000 and go to some fancy private school. It might look cool and sound cool, but it's going to cost you so much of your financial life and stress and everything for decades to come. Like, just don't do it to yourself. Instead, think about how you can get to that end career goal the smart way. Maybe that's going to community college, knocking out your undergraduate, transferring to your local state school, finishing up and getting out for a very inexpensive amount. Especially in today's society where college is online, even like the Harvards of the world right now are going to be online. So it's like, why would you take English 101 at Harvard and spend $40,000 this year? Or you could take English 101 at your community college in your living room because you're taking both of them from your living room. And, you know, in half the states, community college is free. So really consider the cost because we have a student loan crisis in America today, but it's not really just a student loan crisis. It's a crisis of people don't feel like they got the value that they spent their money on. They didn't get the salaries they thought they were going to get. They didn't get the job prospects they thought they were going to get. And they borrowed so much to pay for it. If everyone that went to college and had all these student loans was, was making buku money, no one would be complaining about the student loan crisis. It wouldn't exist. So realize that's why we have this crisis is people overspent, overpaid, overborrowed for the education they got. So what you can do today is not do that. Be smart about how you're spending your education dollars. Well, thank you, Robert, for coming on our show and offering all this valuable insight on tuition tips. If anyone wants more information, they can visit Robert's blog at The College Investor. We love hearing a professional's perspective. We are all about professionals helping students. We hope you will join us again for another episode. Thanks, guys. This has been fun. And we'll be going to your blog to read about any new college money strategies you write about. Thanks, Robert. Here's to another informative episode of College Talks and More. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel to stay up to date on any new episodes. Check out our blog and be an insider to receive our newsletters so you can follow anything and everything College Talks and My Book Heart.